right, hey, check this out. There's this uh, dietitian who is uh, addressing a large audience uh, here in Las Vegas. And she began her presentation with this. She said, listen, she said, the material that we put in our stomachs is enough to have killed most of us sitting here years ago. Red meat, she said, is awful. And soft drinks, they erode our stomach lining. Chinese food is loaded with MSG and vegetables can be disastrous and none of us realizes the long-term harm caused by the germs in our drinking water. And she says this, but there's one thing, that's right, there's one thing that is the most dangerous of all and we all have or we all will eat it. Can anyone here tell me what food it is that causes the most grief and suffering for years after eating it? Yeah. Well, just then a 75-year-old man in the front row stood up and said, wedding cake. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Now, folks, how many of you guys would uh, probably say that that guy, he didn't have a very high view of marriage there? You know what I'm saying? Okay. I think it's pretty obvious. But uh, unfortunately, he's not the only one. Uh, one person said this. They said, sure, I understand marriage is an institution. It's an institution. But who wants to live in an institution? Institution. All right, anyway, but another person said, yeah, yeah, marriage means a commitment, but so does insanity, okay? But that's right, seriously, John, thanks for asking. Uh, is this the kind of relationship that God had in mind when he instituted marriage back in the Garden of Eden? No, praise God uh, is the right answer. No, absolutely not. And, but we see that we do need to acknowledge that, yes, Adam and Eve blew it, hello, in the Garden of Eden. So along with that, they blew it for the chances of having a perfect marriage. Okay, but that does not mean that you and I have to resign ourselves to a life of, listen, personal pain and silent suffering, especially as Christians. The Bible is clear. All it means, folks, is it's going to take some time and it's going to take some Work, okay, is the issue. Why? Because marriages, folks, contrary to what our society would say, marriages are not made in heaven. Marriages are made where? Right here on earth. They're built here on earth. Therefore, we're going to continue our study. That's right, a marriage built to last. Men, how many of you guys would like to have a marriage built to last? Oh, you're getting better. It's still not quite all of you. This is so, Paul, was it a rough week? <laughs> I've never seen a hand that straight in my life. But anyway, that's right. No, just kidding here. Uh, we've already seen, folks, in our study, the first way that we build that uh, lasting marriage is to acknowledge Oz and Michaela that men and women are different. <laughs> Isn't that profound? That's right. And last week you were here, if you saw, uh, if you were here, we saw the second step was that love is a what? It's a feeling. It's pet. No, it's not that. That's what society says. That's the problem. Love is an action. Agapao. And what we saw, the biblical definition of love is that true love is not a feeling per se. True love is a verb. It's an action. It's a self-sacrificial action. The same love that Jesus self-sacrificially gave us on the cross. Anybody glad about that? Okay, and that kind of love that we're supposed to demonstrate to each other uh, is one that has no stipulations and it's a solid commitment to be there till death do you part all the way to the end. Anybody glad that Jesus is committed? Yes. In our relationship, it's the same kind of love. That's what will keep your marriage uh, together. So that's right, Jim, I'm still preaching on this, so guess what? There's got to be more. That's right, there's got to be more. And there is. The third step, folks, we need to have for that lasting marriage, man, is get this, the need for... Ro no, you can't just say it like that. Let's say this. Romance. Ooh, that's right, John. Get ready for this one. Okay, uh, but don't take my word for it. This is awesome in your marriage. Uh, open your Bibles to the Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Song of Solomon. Some of your translations may say Song of Songs. Okay, Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Um, and if you're wondering where that's at, just look for that part of your Bible where the pages are white, crisp, clean, straight, as if you've never been there before. That's probably it, okay? But man, this is an awesome book, man, for married folks, 
Okay, it's a great book. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Uh, let's take a look at this couple. And you tell me if there was some romance going on here. Okay, Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Uh, let's take a look at uh, what's going on here. Uh, verse 10. Listen to this. Well, I'll give you a little bit more time. Because when you get there, say moo. 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 All right, four of you. Cluck. Wrong book. Okay, turn, turn right. All right, but let's take a look there. Verse 10, listen to this. She's uh, talking about her beloved. Here's what she says. She says, my lover is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His, his hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His, his cheeks are like beds of spices, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. Listen, this guy works out. His arms are rods of gold, set like chrysolite. His body's like polished ivory decorated with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble, set on bases of pure gold. Listen, his, his appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. Woo! His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my lover. This is my friend. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem. Wow. How many of you guys didn't even know that stuff was in the Bible? How many of you guys are going to go home and read the Song of Solomon? Yeah, I know you're out there. That's some serious stuff. But here's the obvious question. That's just one little piece of that book. Okay, but how many of you guys would say that that woman, man, she was not just in love. She was romantically in love with her man there. Okay. And folks, if you ever read or ever do read the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, again, you're going to see that it's a book, listen, who is about a couple whose relationship is filled with tons and tons of romance. And because of that, it's filled with a lot of passion. Now, here's my premise for this. Pay attention. Even though if you were here last week, we clearly saw, folks, how true love, okay, that holds your marriage together. Listen, it's not a feeling, right? You were here last week. It's not a feeling. It's an action. And it's true love and ac action. No stipulations. Solid commitment. That's what's going to hold your marriage together. But listen. You don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's balance it out. That does not mean that we have no need for romance during our marriage. You see the difference there? True love in action. No stipulations. Solid commitment. Agapao. That's what holds your marriage together. But that doesn't need that we don't need to romance during our marriages. And for some reason, especially for we men for some weird reason, when we get married, ladies, that, that abundant supply of romance that we naturally had before we got married, uh, uh, it somehow disappears. Have you noticed that? Uh, 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 and because of this, over years, our marriages can turn into this passionless existence, okay? And, and for instance, ladies, correct me if I'm wrong, but typically here's how it goes. The first seven years of uh, romance uh, in a typical marriage, uh, this is kind of how it typically goes, unfortunately. Well, here's the first year when you get married. Like Oz and Mikhail, this is where they're at right now. The husband Oz says, oh, sweetie pie, I'm really worried about those nasty sniffles you have. There's no telling what it could turn into with all the strep that's going around. I, I'm going to take you right down to the hospital and have you admitted for a couple days of rest. And I, I know the food is lousy there, so I'm going to bring you in some takeout from the Bellagio. And, and I've already arranged it with the head nurse. Yeah. Second year. Uh, listen, honey, I, I don't like the sound of that cough. Uh, I called the doc and he's going to stop by here and take a look at you. And, and why don't you just go on to bed and get some of that rest that you need? Uh, third year. Hey, hey, maybe you better go lie down, darling. Uh, uh, when you feel lousy, you need the rest, and I'll bring you something. Do we got any canned soup around here? <laughs> Oops. Fourth year. Uh, hey, no sense wearing yourself out when you're under the weather. Uh, and when you finish those dishes and bathe the kids and get them off to bed, you ought to get to bed yourself. Sorry, guys. 
Uh, fifth year, hey, why don't you go take a couple of aspirin, will you? <laughs> Sixth year, peace sake, will you stop sneezing on me? Are you trying to give me pneumonia or something? You better pick up some Kleenex while you're at the store, right? <laughs> Seventh year, uh-oh. Hey, for crying out loud, can't a guy get any sleep around here? Why don't you go gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal all night long? I need some sort of a cage device to leave the sanctuary because I have a feeling that men are going to beat me to death when I leave here. <laughs> but folks, here's the point in all seriousness. That joke would be funny if what? It weren't so true, okay? And the reason why it's such a common scenario of marriages, and ladies, you can do the same thing, by the way, uh, is because we forget about this need to romance each other. Listen, not just before, but even after we get married, okay? And if we're going to have a marriage built to last, then we need to do just that. We need to romance, not just up to the point until we get married and then stop. We got to keep it going. We need to romance each other after we get married. And listen, the way that you do that, I'm going to make it practical for you. The way that you do that is by filling each other's love tank. Let's say that. Love tank. And thanks for asking, Bobby, what is a love tank? Well, a love tank is what I call a person's romance receptacle. Okay? Your romance receptacle. Now listen, here's how it works, okay? When the romance receptacle is full, guess what? Woo! So is the passion in your marriage. Okay? But if your uh, romance receptacle is empty, guess what? Uh, so is the passion in your marriage. Okay, it's low as well, okay? So here's the good news for you guys, uh, all of us, even today. Listen, if your love tank today, that's right, is dry, crusty, and rusty, hey, it can be filled again in no time. You just need to get back to doing those specific things that fill up that uh, love tank, okay? And the first practical way that you can do that is by giving each other special gifts. Just give us each a special gift. That's all it takes, okay? Let's go back to that passion-filled couple. Once again, the Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 2 through 3 says this. Listen to this. She go, hey, hey, ladies, uh, my lover has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and gather what? Lilies, flowers. I am my lover's and my lover is mine. He browses among the lilies. <laughs> ladies, this guy, he's getting her some flowers. Can you believe it? No wonder she loves this guy, right? Okay? And again, folks, I'm dealing honestly with the scripture. And here's the point. It's this act of giving each other special gifts, in this case, flowers. Okay? It's a wonderful way of expressing our love and our appreciation for our spouse. Okay? And this method seems to be the most popular uh, of, a, of expressing our love for our spouse. It's the most typical one that we gravitate towards. Okay? And ladies, to be honest, uh, for you, this one's easy uh, when it comes uh, for us guys. Okay, uh, for instance, uh, this is what I've learned uh, between men and women. Uh, ladies, correct me if I'm wrong. What women want is to be loved, to be listened to, to be desired, to be respected, to be needed, to be trusted, and sometimes just to be held. Right, ladies? Hey, and for men, we just want tickets to the game. You know what I'm saying? That's all we want, ladies. We're pretty easy to buy for, okay? In fact, oftentimes when you get us a special gift, hey, it doesn't even cost that much. It's e we're easy to please. Maybe, ladies, uh, you can get your husband uh, one of these nifty gifts. Let's take a look. You ever notice how winding your window down by hand makes you look lower middle class? There's a cheap way to fix that. First of all, what you want to do is get the window winder right off there. Throw that away. Next, get yourself one of these uh, battery-powered mixers, hand mixers. Here. You ever notice on these how the blades go in opposite directions? Remember that. I'm going to be referring back to that later on. These are real cheap, especially if the blades are missing. Okay, now to wind the window up, all I do is uh, stick one of these blade receptacles over the window winder shaft. 
and then just hit the button. And how do I wind it down? Well, that's where that reversing direction thing comes in that I was referring to earlier. I just pop that on. <laughs> see, ladies? I mean, as you can see, it doesn't take much to uh, please the skies, okay? That's a great gift. How many guys want one of those? All right, all three of you. Well, praise God. But here's the point. If, ask yourself, if your marriage has been a little bit on the low side lately, okay, a little bit on the low side lately, then ask yourself, when was the last time that you bought your spouse a card? That's a gift, right? When was the last time you bought your spouse a card for no reason at all? Not just when you get in trouble, but just for no reason at all, okay? When was the last time you did, guys, uh, buy them a bouquet of flowers or you hid some little like love note or something underneath the pillow or something like that. And in fact, I'm not making this up. One guy got into this uh, romance thing uh, so much. Listen, he surprised his wife by hiding a teddy bear in the back of the freezer so that she would find it one day randomly when she was looking for something to cook. Kind of creative, right? Although men, listen, I have to admit that's a neat idea. But please take it from me. Make sure she doesn't find that rock hard frozen teddy bear when she's mad at you. Liable to knock you out with that thing, okay? But seriously, here's the point, folks. Giving each other these special gifts, going out of your way. You didn't have to do it. It wasn't just because you got in trouble, you forgot something. Just randomly, spontaneously, giving each other a special gift, uh, believe it or not, goes a long way in filling the love tank. Now, the second practical way that we do that is by giving each other what's called quality time. And see, that's the issue. It's got to be quality time. Quality time. Not just time, quality time. Let me read that for you. That's in uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10. It says this, listen. Listen, my lover. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains. He's bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. And look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. Listen, my lover spoke and said to me, arise, my darling. My beautiful one, come with me. Whoa. So this guy, he not only brought her some flowers, now this guy's actually going to the point where he's asking her out. He's wanting to spend some quality time with her, okay? And, and this is where romance gets a little bit uh, tricky, okay? You see, for uh, most of us uh, know that giving gifts are a great way to be romantic. And again, that's what we usually gravitate towards. Well, I need to go buy something. Uh, to be romantic, okay? But, but sometimes uh, it, that doesn't always uh, work for folks. Sometimes your spouse, that's just not their thing. Sometimes it's simply as simple as just sharing time together. That's it. You know, flowers are okay, but it, man, when you share time together, whoop, that really fills up that love tank, especially with our crazy busy schedules, right? Sharing time together. But, but there, there's a, a, a policy here, just because, listen, you spend some time together, that doesn't mean it's always going to be a success. You have to be very careful not to ruin it. Like this guy, Ruth. Listen, it wasn't John, I don't think. And so there was this husband and this wife, and they had not spent some quality time together for many months. And so on one Saturday, uh, the wife was finishing the dinner dishes, and the husband came into the kitchen and asked, Would you like to go out, girl? And man, not even turned around. The wife quickly responded, Oh, yes, I'd love to. Right? And so in no time, they're off having this wonderful evening together. But at the end of the evening, the husband, he, he finally confessed that his question had actually been directed to the family dog lying at the kitchen floor. Like to go out, girl. Now, man, come on. How many guys would say that guy should have kept his mouth shut? You know what I'm saying? He had it going. He had a great thing going, but he blew it. Right? He blew it, okay? He was filling his wife's love tank, but he, listen, here's the point with that joke, in all fairness, listen, he gave the impression he really didn't want to be there. 
See, this is the phrase there, quality time. Not just time, it's got to be quality time. Spending time, if it's going to work, if it's going to fill that love tank, you have to want to do it. You have to want to be there. It has to be quality. That means shut off the cell phone. No texting allowed. Yeah, somebody, preacher, preacher. All right, you get rid of that thing. Get rid of the electronics. You've got to, hey, here's a concept, talk. It has to be quality time. And folks, hello, our spouse is going to know if it's not genuine. So here's the question. Here's, here's the deal. If, if your marriage, ask yourself. If it's been a little low on the passion side lately, then ask yourself. When was the last time that you went out alone without the crumb snatchers, if you still got them around, uh, uh, to a nice restaurant, okay? And uh, if you don't have the finances, you can spice it up. We do it all the time. You know, I take my wife out to periodically, as finances can afford, to that fine, fancy French restaurant, Denise. Have you ever been there? It's awesome. Denise. Okay, you got it. Thank you. And, uh, you know, if the kids do happen to come with us, we usually switch to that uh, Scottish food, McDonald's. And uh, that's, that's a good one, too. But that's with kids, so you need to do this alone. McDonald's. Man, you guys, whoo. Rough morning. Uh, but anyway, uh, but you know, you have to want to do it, okay? Uh, when was the last time that you came home, quality time, when was the last time you came home at a decent hour and actually talked to your spouse? Listen, when was the last time spontaneously, not because you wanted something, not because you were in trouble, that you spent and blew a whole afternoon on the weekend whenever you had free time doing something your spouse likes to do? That's quality time. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. It's not just breathing air together. It's got to be quality time. And listen, giving each other quality time is a practical way to show our love and our affection for each other. Okay, and it goes a long way in filling up that love tank. The third practical way we can do that, this one's easy. Okay, speaking of finances, this one doesn't cost nothing. All you got to do is move your lips. It's called positive words. That's all you got to do. Positive words words, okay? Once again, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. Here's what he says. Uh, she says, says, listen to this. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Woo. For your love is more delightful than wine. Uh, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you, Mr. Studmuffet. Right? That's what's going on here. I mean, she's, she's giving this guy positive words to him. She's going, man, you smell good. You look good. In fact, you're so hot looking, I'm bragging on the ladies on you. Okay? That's what she's talking about. And folks, if you recall, back in the day, okay, before we got married, typically sometimes when we were courting each other, we did this thing naturally. Okay? Typically, we called those, uh, each other those uh, romantic pet names. You know, like uh, Honey Pie or Schnookums or Love Muffin or... Beefcakes or whatever it was, okay? But, but we naturally did that, typically, okay? But listen, pet names are not the only positive words that can fill your spouse's love tank. Sometimes it might just be simply, randomly, not because you want something, you're in trouble. It might just be something as simple as an affectionate affirmation, okay? And I'm, I'm going to break it down for you guys, okay? For instance, men, it might be something as simple as to your wife is saying something like this, gee, honey, you look nice in that outfit. Let's try it. No, don't look at me. It doesn't work that way. You're supposed to look at her. Okay. Whew. Let me give you another one, guys. I'm here for you. We've got to stick together. And I don't want to be beat to death when I leave here today. Okay, here, try this one. This one, this one's great, guys. Just, it doesn't cost nothing. Listen, all you got to do is notice. Say something like this. Wow, I like what you did with your hair. Go ahead, try it. Look at her. Look at him smiling, guys. You can't even wipe this smile off your face. 
their face. You know what I'm saying? It works every time, okay? And uh, it, it's that sim uh, simple, okay? Now, listen, there's, there's one thing that uh, uh, you need to understand, guys, because I don't know if this is just a guy thing or just maybe my house. Okay, but you know, you're trying to give it a positive word and you're trying to be funny. Sometimes you mix it with sarcasm, uh, like this guy did uh, when he went shopping with his wife. Don't do this, okay? Let's take a look. I noticed there's this women's clothing store I see a lot, a lot around here. Women's clothing store. The actual name of the store is the Dress Barn. <laughs> the Dress Barn. That's the best name you could come up with then. That's, that's the one you want to go with. I don't think I'm ever taking my wife to a place called the Dress Barn. Hey, let's go to the Dress Barn. Recomputing. Sorry. Dress barn. What do the people like that work at the dress barn? Can I help? Yeah! <laughs> that blouse is right over here. It's only 20. Now, hey, men, I, 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 I know there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that video, okay? Uh, but trust me, uh, sarcasm is not a good way uh, to fill the love tank, okay? Even though we're trying to be funny, dress barn, you know, all that stuff, just don't do it, okay? It has a way of ruining a positive word. For instance, if your wife comes into the living room, listen, and she's wearing one of those we saw last week, those alien masks with the green paint. She's got cucumbers on her eyeballs. Her head's full of curlers, right? It's not a good time, guys, to be sarcastic. I'm telling you, man, because she's going to look at you kind of weird and, and she's going to get defensive and she's going to say, well, I just set my hair. And you're going to be tempted to say, oh, yeah, what time's it go off? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't do it. Trust me. I mean, it's funny, but don't do it, okay? And then again, whatever you do, don't get sarcastic when your wife announces she's going to the beauty parlor to get her hair done. Don't, don't get sarcastic and say, hey, listen, you're going in for an estimate, you're going to get the job done this time. <laughs> don't do it, okay? You know, I know, I know it's funny, but don't do it. And ladies, uh, 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 that's for us guys, you know, because we can ruin it with sarcasm. You know, look nice here. here. Ladies, listen, this is so simple. It doesn't cost nothing. With us guys, listen, you can say, hey, try this, ladies. Hey. You're looking mighty handsome today. Go ahead, try it. Hey, listen, ladies, the guys had to do it. You do it too. That's how it works. Okay. Or, ladies, I don't know of a guy on the planet. This doesn't, listen, it doesn't cost you nothing, but there's not a guy on the planet who does not love to hear this from his wife. You the man. You do it. Try it. Huh? Look at him. He's smiling. His teeth are showing. That's a big smile. All right. It works every time. It doesn't cost nothing. It works. And so here's the point. If your marriage is a little low on the passion side lately, then ask yourself, when was the last time you gave your spouse an affectionate affirmation out of the blue, not because you're in trouble, you want something, and you just took notice and said something nice to them? It's giving each other these positive words. It's a practical yet effective way of filling that love tank uh, so that the passion uh, can be increased again. The fourth way that we can do this uh, is by giving each other acts of service. Okay, acts of service. Once again, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Here's what they say. It says, like an apple among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Listen, 
He has taken me, listen, he's taken me to the banquet hall. And his banner over me is love. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples. I am faint with love. Wow. Listen to what this guy's doing. No wonder this lady is in love. He takes her to the banquet hall. He brings her some food. No wonder this lady's about to pass out. Okay? Now, when it comes to acts of service, filling that love tank, okay, listen. It really kind of encapsulates the classic saying that we'll say to each other sometimes as husbands and wives. It's not just about saying a bunch of stuff. We'll typically say something like this. Hey, listen, don't just say it, but do it or show it, right? That's what we're talking about, acts of service, okay? And, and, and I'm telling you folks, this is another great way of, of uh, showing us uh, 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 that we, you appreciate them. You're going out of your way. It's not just when you're in trouble. It'll fill that love tank, okay? Now, men, again, I'm sorry to do this to you, but... Did you know that some people say that there is actual biblical justification for men to do the dishes once in a while? And all of a sudden, the ladies perked up. <laughs> I'm serious. Listen, there's this pastor uh, whose wife had asked him to help with washing the dishes. And the pastor protested and said, hey, listen, this isn't a man's job. And his wife said, oh, yes, it is. And she quoted 2 Kings 21, 13. That says, I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. <laughs> now, ladies, you can thank me for that later if you'd like to. Uh, two things I need to say in response to that. Number one, hello, that was not Brandy who quoted that. Okay, I don't know who that pastor was and his wife. Okay, number two, that's not what that passage means. It's taken out of context. But seriously, folks, listen, this is the point. Acts of service. If your marriage has been a little low on the passion side lately, then simply ask yourself, hey, men, when was the last time? When was the last time randomly you did help your wife do the dishes without having to be asked? Right? Just, just randomly. When was the last time, listen, when was the last time you took out the trash before it got 12 feet tall? Anybody ever played Trash Wars at their house? See, if I get that on there, it hasn't fallen down yet, so it's still good to go. Yeah, well, you don't play, okay. When was the last time we did that? Ladies, flip it around. Works for you too. When was the last time you brought your husband a cup of coffee without being asked? Just randomly brought it to him. That's an act of service. Here's one. Ladies, when was the last time you spontaneously cooked him his favorite meal? And I mean that favorite one. I mean that one with the grease, with the MSG, and his cholesterol is going off the chart, but he hasn't had it in 15 years, and he loves that thing. When's the last time you made that meal for him? Okay, it's given each other, guys, these acts of service. It's a practical way to show our love and affection for one another. And believe it or not, it goes a long way in filling the love tank. Okay, the fifth practical way to do this, the final one we're going to deal with today, is called physical touch. Physical touch is another way. Once again, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 says this. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen. My lover is knocking. My lover has uh, thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart has begun to pound for him. Why? No, it makes you laugh, doesn't it? I mean, on top of everything else going on, listen, one touch from this guy, and this, things were happening. Okay. And then this is a rough one for you and I to catch on uh, because we're so usually full of testosterone that one little physical touch and we think it's going to lead to something else, okay? And uh, when it comes to physical touch, I do want to give you two general rules. One, the Bible says, listen, pay attention to this one. And Lord willing, we'll get into this in greater detail uh, later in the study. But I just want to give you, while we're on it, just a little teaser. One, the Bible says that when a man and a woman get married, listen, their bodies no longer belong to themselves, and in the context there, it says on a regular basis, you need to be sensitive to your spouse's intimate needs. Otherwise, you're inviting temptation. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 is the text there. It says, Paul says, do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent. That means you're both in agreement. It's not some emotional game playing going on. By mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, it's something spiritual. Okay? He says, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And again, Lord willing, we'll get into that in much more detail in a later study. But the point is you need to, as husbands and wives, you need to share physical intimacy with each other on a regular basis, okay, so that it doesn't open up a door for temptation in other areas. Now, two, the second thing, when you do get together for intimacy, and again, we'll get into this maybe more later, you need to understand it's different for men and women. Uh, the general rule seems to be that men were like microwave ovens. <laughs> Ladies, you're more like crock pots. Okay, so we'll get into that again much later. There's, we'll talk about how it works. Okay, but because we men typically don't understand this physical difference, okay, instead of taking the time to get the crock pot warmed up and romance our wives, sometimes we resort to trickery. Like this guy. There's this man who woke his wife up uh, during the night with this glass of water in one hand and he had two aspirins in the other. Yeah, you know where I'm going. <laughs> and so she goes, what's this for? And he says, this is for your headache. And she says, but I don't have a headache. And the husband smiles and goes, gotcha. <laughs> man, you can thank me later for sharing that with you. Uh, as long as you don't beat me up on the way out of here today. Uh, but, but, but seriously, folks, believe it or not, the need for physical touch, you know, again, more, and that actual physical intimacy, Lord willing, we get into later. Uh, but what I'm talking about here when it comes to filling our love tank, okay, uh, physical touch, it doesn't mean it's always going to lead to something else. Now, it can, but it doesn't mean that it's always going to do. Let me break it down for you. This is how you can fill your spouse's love tank. When your spouse shares a desire to just simply hold hands. Maybe they just want a hug. Uh, maybe they just want to uh, snuggle up with you on the couch or something. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily interested in something else. But that is a need uh, for them. Okay? And so again, if your marriage has been a little low on the passion side lately, then simply ask yourself, when was the last time you spent some time just lying around on the couch? Or here's, you could score double points with this one. Not just hold your spouse's hand, but hold your spouse's hand in public. And, sh and show them that you're really care for him. When was the last time you did that, just this physical touch, without expecting something else in return? Okay? It's giving each other these physical touches are a practical way to filling uh, your love tank. It shows your love and affection for one another. But you might be thinking, Pastor Billy, I don't, I don't know. I don't know which one of these five methods uh, uh, fills my spouse's love tank. Okay? And believe it or not, if you're asking that, thank you. Because that means, number one, you're paying attention and you're thinking the correct answer. And the reason why is because unless you discover which one or ones fills your spouse's love tank, you're going to end up wasting your time and energy. I learned this one time, uh, uh, gosh, this is about our third year of marriage, okay? And it was, it's, I, man, I'm just preaching to the choir on this one with me. I had to learn this myself. You know, uh, Brandy and I, before we got married, and, and I was, you know, the romantic guy, and, and every time I saw her, <laughs> ladies, listen, every time I saw her, I kid you not, I'm a starving college student, right? But I'm a college student, I ain't got no money, I ain't got no money to eat or nothing, but I was always able to scrape up every time I saw her to buy a rose. In fact, so much so that that was the theme of our wedding, roses. Oh, and wouldn't have been nice if that had continued. Yeah, you know where I'm going. Now, so I... 
I'm seven years, I'm here, okay? And then I was at a men's conference. This was about three years into marriage. And I, I got spanked by God, right? And I got, you know, I wasn't romancing my wife like I used to. I quit, right? And it's just, you know, all the different rationales that we have. Well, you know, she's always with me. It's hard to be spontaneous. All the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. It's excuses, okay? I got spanked by God. So I'm a guy, as we saw earlier, guys, we don't just do things. We conquer things, right? And so I got spanked by God. I said, all right, I'm going to conquer this romance thing if it's the last thing I do, Right? And so I did. Every single Friday, like clockwork. I, I got a battle plan, Ron. And every single Friday. And uh, I, I went to a flower store. I got her a bouquet. I didn't get her just a rose. I got a bouquet, man. And the flowers. And I put it. We had this entryway at the house we were in there. And I put it right there on the entryway. And that first week I did that, Mike, I was, she's coming in the door. I'm in the kitchen around the corner. And I, I, got, I got the response. Oh, flowers too. It's awesome. Right? Love tank went way up there. It was awesome. It was like, Whoa. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's, it's cool. So, hey, that worked awesome. So next Friday came. Guess what I did? I went and got into, I'm, I'm going, I'm doing this for weeks on end, man. I'm going to different flower stores. I'm getting creative. And I started to notice after I did it, hey, I'm feeling kind of romantic myself. You know, it's kind of getting into this thing, right? And so I'm getting, and so I get the next week there and she's got a whole different, and she comes in. Oh, flowers again. Oh. And then this is cool. We started having a Bible study at our house. A couple's coming over. And I'm scoring double points, man. Because every Friday, and we had it on Friday nights. Every Friday, I put the new bouquet out there. And it's right there in the entry when people come in. Okay? And so when the couples were walking in, and here comes that first couple, the husband and the wife. And the wife looks over. And what's she say, ladies? Well, that's coming soon. Uh, <laughs> oh, where'd you get those? And Randy goes, oh, really? And so, you know, and so, and then, so it's cool. And so the next week comes in and there's another bouquet of flowers. We're having our next Bible study. Here comes the ladies again. And they're going, oh, let me guess, Billy? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, right? And so it was like, third week, I kid you not, it was so funny. Third week, couple's coming in. The wives are coming over there and, and they're looking at another new bouquet of flowers. And they looked over there and they go, oh, let me guess, Billy? And she goes, yeah. And then they go like this. <laughs> I was scoring points, man. It was awesome. I'm into this romance thing. This is great. This is great. And this went on for about four months. And I'm, I got a clockwork, guys. I got this baby conquered. <laughs> I got it every Friday. I got it down. Doing this, right? And so I did the same thing. This one Friday, got her a new bouquet of flowers and all this stuff. And I'm in the kitchen waiting for the response. She knows just coming, right? And so she comes around the corner and she goes, oh, flowers. And then she comes around the corner over there into the pantry, into the kitchen, which is where we had the trash. And then she kind of looked at me and she goes, you know, if you want to do something to show me that you love me, could you please take out the trash? <laughs> I got to admit, it kind of hurt. <laughs> right? But after I swallowed it and began to pray about it, I really think what, this, is what I, this is my challenge point with sharing this information. What had happened, what my wife was telling me, was that her love tank had changed. Okay? And I say that because, again, if you start off even today, I'm going to romance my wife. It's the last, I'm going to romance my husband again. I'm, we're going to both do it. And if you gravitate towards what worked 20 years ago, it may not work today. Because life changes you. Your needs change. You're at different stages of life. Now you have kids. Now you had kids, but now you don't have kids. You're empty nest. What, things change. And so here's the point. You might be asking that question, um, which one of these fills my spouse's love tank. How do I know? Because you don't want to start doing the wrong one because if you do the wrong one, you're not going to get the appropriate results and you're going to be tempted to say, well, forget it, this stuff doesn't work. No, it does work every single time. You just pick the wrong one. So I'm here to help you guys. Listen, if you don't know which one of these five methods fills your spouse's love tank and maybe it's changed over the years, so don't take anything for granted. If you don't know, here's what you do. Are you guys ready? 
Just ask them. <laughs> Don't wait until they say, take off the trash. Just ask them, okay? It's that simple. They'll gladly tell you. I usually encourage couples, give me your top two. Give me your top two. Out of five, give me your top two and I'll focus on those. Okay? Give me your top two. Okay? And here's the whole point, folks. Once again, I'm telling you, even if you're right now today, in your marriage, if your love tank is dry, crusty, or rusty, I'm telling you, these acts of romance can quickly arouse those feelings of passion once again, just like this couple here in the Song of Solomon. It's in the Bible, you know. It's okay, you know. In fact, Jewish culture, you had to wait to a certain age before you could read this book. Okay, passion is okay uh, in your marriage, okay? But our problem, listen, is when it comes to sustaining that passage, we usually have it backwards. Listen, guys, this is the lesson that I learned. We think that we need to wait until we feel romantic before we romance. But that's totally backwards, okay? That's why I got a spanking from God. If you are waiting to feel romantic about your spouse before you romance them again, even today, and it's been a long time, then give it up. And the reason why is because here's how it works. Passionate feelings follow acts of romance. Did you catch that? That's what I needed to learn. And that's what happened to me about that second week after out of obedience, I did what I needed to do. And then all of a sudden I noticed, here came those feelings for me in that. Passionate feelings follow acts of romance, not the other way around. And listen, if we can catch on to that, no matter how passionless our marriages might be right now, it can be turned around in no time. Like this guy. There was this young fellow who once came to see a pastor and announced his intentions of getting a divorce. And he said, he said, listen, it's, it's no use, pastor. He said, I, I, I loved her all right two years ago when I married her, but it seems to have dried up. I, I just can't go on living a lie. Uh, so, so I'm just going to have to get a divorce. And so the pastor replied, well, but don't you think you owe her something? And the young man, he says, well, yeah, I guess I do. But what can I do about it? And the pastor said, well, let me make a suggestion. Since you feel you do owe her something, don't think about a divorce for a whole month. Instead, here's what you do. During that time, do something nice for your wife every single day. Buy her a bouquet, get her a box of chocolates, uh, get her a new dress, take her out to places she likes, do the dishes for her, things like that. And the young guy says, but pastor, she's going to think I'm crazy. He said, well, yeah, maybe so, but do it anyway. And so the young man, he agreed to try and he left. And get this, about a month later, the same guy returns. Only this time he's a little sheepish and he's rubbing his collar. And uh, all he could say, listen to this. He says, I don't know how to say this, pastor. But I've fallen in love with my wife all over again. That's all it takes. Hey, listen, if you guys don't remember anything else from this sermon, at least remember this profound truth. Listen, if a man has enough horse sense... To treat his wife like a thoroughbred, she'll never turn into an old nag. <laughs> Ladies, you want to clap louder, don't you? I see you. Can I flip it around though? Works both ways. If a woman has enough horse sense to treat her husband like a thoroughbred, he'll never turn into an old couch potato. I don't know what he's fill in the blank. Okay? It's profound. Folks, do not wait until you feel romantic before you romance because odds are you're not going to do it. It doesn't work that way. Passionate feelings follow acts of romance, not the other way around. Okay? And here's the good news. This means, guess what, Christian? I don't care how bad it's been. I don't care how challenging it is. The good news is this. Being married, Christian, doesn't mean your life in marriage has to be filled with personal pain and silent suffering. God never said it'd be easy. He said it's just going to take some time and it's going to take some work. And if we could just acknowledge and get back on track with this need for romance after we're married and just do it again. 
you're going to find that you not only have a marriage built to last, but just like this couple in the Bible, you've got a passionate marriage built to last. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal, okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says, if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says, uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. 
Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.